So much darkness out there in the world, we need to hear the Father. We need to be excited. I think we can be excited. So here we start out in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be born. According to his good pleasure, which he 
work all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ would be to his praise, praise and glory. And then he also trusted as we heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the perfect possession to the praise of his glory. So look at all those words, adopted, accepted, redeemed, sealed, secured. As a believer in Christ Jesus, that is exciting. That's good news. And that keeps us going every day. I don't know if any of you have ever read, there's a, a short little book now, Roy Eckham is the author. He wrote a couple on the Calvary Road. The one was third chapter, he talks about seeing Jesus as all we need. And one of the things he explains is just, you just need to read over and over again, but it's, it's so true. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus who he says he is? And it says it's not the hungry seeking bread. It's the bread seeking hunger. It's not the sorrowful So it's all about him. He loves us. He's accepted us. He's guaranteed our salvation. He's seeking us. Hallelujah. So, you know, you think about chosen. You remember in grade school, recess, playing dodgeball or whatever it is. All lined up, and you have these two people choose your team. You know how it was. Often you got chosen first. You know how it was. Billy was mad and got chosen last. God has chosen all of us first. We don't have to worry about it. Well, I'm going to read Nor let us tempt Christ, 
the earth. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, and we all partake of that one bread. Preserve Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or that it is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice and sacrifice to demons and not to God, I do not want you to have fellowship with anyone. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we preserve the Lord with jealousy? All things are lawful to me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful to me, but not all things edify. Let no one speak of them, but each one the other to our neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the market, as to your questions for conscience sake. For the mercy of the Lord is in all that is sold, and all that is sold. If any of those do not believe, invite them to go, and if you desire to go, But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it, for the sake of the one who told you, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the others. For why is my rigor to judge of how other men's conscience? For the aftertaste was saying, why am I evil spoken of for the food for which I do things? Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whether you do, do all in the glory of God. Give no offense, either to the Jew or to the Greek, or to the church of God. Just as I also please, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. There is a, a lot in that. One thing that really stood out to me, and if you look in chapter 9, um, I'm trying to think what I did here last night. The end of chapter 9, he sort of says the same thing. Um, I'm going to break in here. I just want to start here in chapter 9, 21. For those who are without the law are without the law, not being without the law towards God, but under law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might gain life by means saving some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of the Lord Jesus. It ends up in Grounded in truth, but yet had a relationship. Paul says, I 
it's not about that. It's not that any of us are learning, remember. But men who are faithful are not remembered. I want to share two other names with you. Perhaps you've heard of Joshua or Caleb. I hear, I say, had it nodding. You know those names. But there was a day when the name Joshua and the name Caleb didn't mean any more than the name Paul Tyre, Hale, or Camelot. They were all leaders in their communities, they were all chosen by the people to serve the people. And yet, ten of them, you don't recognize their name, and you do recognize Joshua and Caleb. We think of courage and great faith in God when we hear those names. And we think of disobedience and cowardice and weak leadership and we think of the other things. So my question for you today is how are you living and how are you causing or influencing others to live in your life? My goal this morning is, as Hebrews 3.13 says, to exhort one another daily what is called today. Lest any of you and then we can learn from the chapter that Jeff read for us in 1 Corinthians 10 that these things, specifically speaking, and a section there of Numbers 13 and 14, and we're going to go a little bit. These things were given to us for example so that we could learn, so that we don't have to go down the same path that they did. So it happens then, for example, that's written for our admonition of all the ends of the world to come. That's us. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall, it goes on there and says. Today, if you will hear his voice, Hebrews 3 says, Harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my words forty years. Take heed, brethren. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. If you're here this morning and you have a heart that is departing from God, you're who I care about this morning. Oh. And this message is for you. Are you living a life of faith or a life of doubt? Are you seeing grapes or are you seeing giants in your life today? And we'll get to that in a little bit. My heart is that none of us would be wasting years in the wilderness. You can turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to work through this chapter a little bit this morning. The Hebrew people had just been rescued out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. They had walked through the Red Sea, they'd watched the Egyptian army drown behind them. They've been miraculously guided through the wilderness. They've been promised a land flowing with milk and honey. They were, they had experienced many things, very well experienced, the blessing after blessing. All they had to do was trust and obey God. But I wonder how much different I am oftentimes as I've seen God's miracles. I've seen Him work. And yet I get to a place and he already gave me his promise. 
when they went in here. But so this, I don't believe this was necessarily God's original design for the spies to come. I mean, from Deuteronomy chapter one. But here it says that He sent them. Then verse four, I will read through all the names that, that list the names of the spies and the uh, the tribe they were from. Verse sixteen. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses told Ahashia, the son of Nun, Joshua. And Moses sent them out to spy the land of Canaan, and he said to them, Go up this way southward, go to the mountains, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, what they be weak or strong, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it's good or bad, what the cities are like that they dwell in, or whether they're in tents or strongholds, and what the land is. Whether it's fat or lean, whether there be wood there or not. And be of good courage and bring the fruit of the land. Now, the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin and Rehob as the men came to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came to Hebron, where Ahibit and Shishai and Haroi, the children of Anak, were. And we'll read about them a little bit more now. Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Zoan in Egypt, and there's a, that gives a little bit of timeline there. This is Zoan, but we'll go to that. And they came into the brook of Eshkel and cut down from the from fence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they buried between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates to the same place was called the brook Eshkel because of the cluster of grapes that the children of Israel from this. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. So they went and they searched this land out for 40 days. And I wanted to put a map up there for you. I didn't get it so you could see this, but they traveled nearly 500 miles. That's like going from here to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and back. Or from my house to Chicago, Illinois and back. I mean, they traveled a long way as they searched out this land. And it averages out to like 13 miles a day across the 40 days. But they, they really, they covered some ground. And even this place, I mean, you saw the picture, uh, you know, in the, in the books of the paintings, the, the coloring books of the two main areas, you know, a picture of Grace Between. That's just kind of how it describes it. I don't know exactly what it looked like, but that's where they measured a cluster of Greek that day. When I was meeting my wife in Southern California, we were down there one time, and we stopped along a vineyard, and they were they were huge clusters of grapes. Those grapes were giant, but nothing even close to these two vineyards or clusters. So I, it's hard to imagine uh, what that cluster may have meant, or if it was actually one cluster of grapes. But they carried that cluster of grapes seventy miles. The way I figure the distance there from from that uh, Escobar area of Valley of Escobar back to where they were. Two vineyards and grapes were put away. That's a big job. And they brought pomegranates and figs, and I'm sure that they rotated between the 12 of them. Took turns doing it, but um, they went to some work to bring that back. So here we are. They checked it out. They traveled 500 miles. They've been going over a month. They're carrying all this fruit of the land. And in verse 26, they went and came to Moses and Aaron to all the congregation of the children of Israel. To the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back fruit unto them, and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, and said, We came to the land where you sent us, and it really does flow with milk and honey. Like you weren't 
overthrown the Roman land and the cities were walled and very good. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And we'll find out in the last verse that those are giants. And the Amalekites go on the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Tephites, and the Amorites go on the mountains, and the Canaanites go by the sea and the coast of Jordan. So they begin to list off the problems. It's, it's true. These people were there. So this is all true that they reported. But as they begin to talk about these mighty people, the way they made it sound, they worked up the people. And there becomes a spirit of fear to take hold of them, and they're upset, like, we can't do this. So in verse 30, Caleb, we can find from Joshua 14, that Caleb was about 40 years old at this time. And it says, he stood up, he stilled the people before Moses, and said, he spoke truth into an environment of fear, an environment of frustration, perhaps, he spoke truth. He said, let's go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, he knew that they weren't big enough. He saw those people do it. But he believed God's promise. And he knew that God was going to defeat this. He had that utter perfection that those dead men didn't have. As he walked through that land, but the, the rest of them were not on board. And they began to exaggerate manipulate, and lie. We'll find out. But the men that went with him said, we are not able to go up against the people. They are stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report. Just, they, it speaks to me of it's not being true. It's not being uh, correct. As they give this report of the land, they're saying, search for the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is the land that eats up the inhabitants there. I don't know what Here in the land somewhere or what. Now all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Well, that's common. That's exactly. All the men were of great stature. And they only saw giants. The sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. They said, we felt like grasshoppers beside these giants. We just like they could just step on us and we'd be gone. Like, we've got no chance. Like, whatever God's promise was, it must be for later. We can't go now. These men had faith in giants rather than faith in God. They saw these giants. And they believed that those giants could overcome them. And it's true. Without God. But with God on their side, on our side, we're bigger than any giant. We're bigger than any kind of Satan that's going to throw in front of you. If we will have faith in God and let him do it, let's let Caleb move back and fill up there and we are well able to overcome it. He knew it wasn't of their strength. It was going to be God. Because he remembered the promise in Exodus 15 that they're going to melt away. That they're going to be faint because of us. And he had faith in God. And these other men had faith in the giants. And the truth of the matter we can find in Joshua chapter 2. Turn over here. This is 40 years later. This is when 
they send a couple spies in to check out the land. And they come into Rahab's house. Joshua chapter 2, verse 8. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them on the road. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you a land that your hair is full of us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. She knew this. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. They heard this. They were afraid. And, uh, and what you did to the two kings and the Amorites were thrown on the other side of Jordan, Sihon, and all of them would be utterly destroyed. But that hadn't happened uh, before the first time they were there. But as soon as we heard all these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. And so by reading those verses, we can see that this last phrase in this verse is a lie. They said if we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight, they did not look small inside of those people were afraid of them. Do you ever find yourself that way? This was based on assumption. They assumed that because they felt small, that they looked small to those people. And we can do that. I find myself, I can do that. Because based on our feelings and our emotions and what someone said somewhere along the line, we begin to think of ourselves in a negative way, we begin to think of ourselves um, naturally. We begin to have a heart that departs from the living God, that departs from faith in the living God, from believing in what He says about us, what He says about who we are. So in His child, and that He's given us everything we need to live, God to overcome. People did not look small in the sight, and that's what they assume. Assumptions are oftentimes wrong. And get them into a lot of trouble. My other lesson here is that the majority is not always right. And I think that's something that we need to be cautious of.
You've got to be in the Word of God rather than going along with what's popular. So are you seeing grace or are you seeing the giants? Are you believing that God will give you strength for every moment and every mountain and make a way where there is no way? When you hear words like stage four cancer or COVID and ventilator or I don't love you anymore or we don't need your job position at work, how do you respond? And now is the time to prepare our hearts and our faith for when we find ourselves hearing those words. Because we are going to be overcome with grief in those moments. And yet if we have the faith that Caleb and Joshua had, that we can express our joy and our thankfulness. Thank you, Lord, for the years of health that I've had. And I trust you to get me through. Thank you for the job that I've had. Thank you for the people in my life that love me. Even though these, this person has hurt me so bad. And I trust you. Lord, whatever brings you maximum glory is what I want in my life. And when we have a heart that wants to honor God, and a heart that is prepared to realize that these, these things are going to come, these difficult times are going to happen. But we can say, my God is able. This is hard. This is not easy. But I believe that God can see me through. How are you leading your family or your church or your business? Are you leading with faith and God or fear of the enemy? Are you doing what God is calling you to do? No matter what those around you may think or say or do. John 10 10 says, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. He wants to give up an abundant life. He does. He wants you to go into the promised land. Don't wonder in the wilderness. He wants to prosper you. The beginning of the prosperity gospel. It is this. It's not that God may prosper you, but it's the equating of prosperity with, with money or things or health or circumstances. The truth of the matter is that the best things that God has to offer you won't be found on the SVG Motors car lot. They won't be found in the Frankfurt Street for children's store. They're not going to be found in your Amazon uh, website or any mall or any bank account. 
power to be an overcomer. And he gives us assurance of salvation. He gives us a spirit of power, love, a sound mind, and joy, even in difficult times, and peace. There's going to be times when, even as you live, following God, you may live like Job and consider yourself dominated. You might live like David as he was running from King Saul. You may live like Daniel as he stood there in the lion's den. You may live like Joseph as he sat in prison in a strange land after being separated from us from his family. You might live like who had to go spend 40 years in the desert, even though they did believe God. And even though they did speak truth and they didn't compromise. You might have to live like Paul who lived in the church of God. You might have to live like Jesus who carried his cross, like Stephen who stoned. These points of living and the abundant life. I don't we're not talking about an actual life here. We've had pretty good natural life here in Ohio. We've got my will. It's been pretty good. But don't think that I'm not stop all that's taken away from you that it's, that it's because of your lack of faith. Men who did nothing wrong and yet suffered, and yet lived in abundance that God wanted them to live in. I believe that it's possible for us to live in the land of Duncan Hardy, even in the midst of a land that's fast forgiving God. And He's promised to prosper us when we obey Him. Don't go to the wilderness, don't waste your life. Vision, caution, say, redeem the time because the days are evil. Don't compromise. You've got something in your life that God is calling you to do. Do it. Do it. It will work out every time because what He has began, we're done. You will finish. You will complete it. You can count on God. So see the grapes. Let God take care of the guy.